Hi everyone, my name is Josh Snowdisho. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. On today's episode, we have Philip D'Amico. He runs a YouTube channel called Volksgeist, where he does a lot of independent uh, music journalism specifically, documentary style and video essay style videos. He's been able to accumulate almost 300,000 subscribers, get tens of millions of views on his content, all as a kind of independent, young and self-interested and taught guy. So we get into, in this conversation, a ton about the business behind YouTube, um, monetizing and sustaining a small channel, how he figures out what topics, uh, what he's done to grow. So without further ado, enjoy the conversation. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I think it's like, I'm really happy to be here because obviously uh, you know, but other people don't know that I used like your tutorials when I was first starting out. So I remember sending you a DM like two years ago being like, yo, I love your tutorials. I just hit 10,000 subscribers and uh, I was really happy when you replied. So I'm like happy to be here as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I don't even remember that, but it's <laughs> it's crazy how like 10,000 now you're like 300,000. It's it's crazy what pops up in the DMs. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you gotten any DMs like that from other people who are who've become collaborators of yours or friends? Uh, yeah, I did get a DM recently from, I get a lot of like terrible DMs that are like, yo, listen to my music and it's horrible music. Uh-oh. But I got, <laughs> I got a DM from someone who sent me their song and it was such a good song. And uh, I'm gonna like probably at some point make a music video for her for free or something like that because it's like, I'm just really happy that I'm, you know, can meet someone who makes such good music and they appreciate my work too. Uh, but usually it's some bullshit. I think <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> well, like, I think, yeah, it, it's like what? It's just it's someone... just usually awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's interesting? It's interesting because you cover a lot of music-related topics, so I'm sure your demographic is probably skews younger. I mean, young people like music. Right? Everyone likes music, but you cover specifically like popular culture music i would say yeah i think they skew younger but it's like most of them it's it's like 40 percent 18 to 24 and then 40 percent 25 to like 36 or whatever so the under 18s are like not really there there's not really a whole lot of people that are in high school or anything unless they probably just i feel like they just lie about their youtube accounts so so they can maybe yeah so you can listen to songs with swearing yeah um, true but yeah uh I mean, YouTube unlocks so many cool opportunities for me. I mean, you're just one of many cool, interesting creators that I've met that, I mean, yeah, you do get some stuff in the DM that's like, all right, this guy sends me his like weird edit every single day. I don't know what he wants, <laughs> but um, but then you do get some stuff where it lets you find channels or content or artists that you never probably never might've found. and able to collaborate with them. But how did you even get started on YouTube in the first place? Um, I, well, I realized early on that like, I had to talk about something like talking or, or rambling wasn't gonna, sorry, I was checking my levels. Uh, You're good, sounds good. I realized early on that like rambling wasn't gonna be a sustainable business model. And if I wanted to get views, I had to like figure out a subject to discuss and like make that my thing and become knowledgeable about that so that was like the biggest lesson that i went in with like oh i have to have an expertise of some kind Mm -hmm. um so i figured it would be 
art in general, but the community of people who appreciate art as a general topic is very small. And it's either you're into like visual art or movies or music, and you're not into all three at the same time, at least not at like a high level. So I just eventually settled on music because it was like my number one interest at the time. Yeah, I was going to say that the cool, that's one thing I was going to mention is like, when you're talking about music journalism, in the past, you have these publications and these magazines where it probably was a lot more of gatekeepers. And I was going to ask, um, like, so you're just a kid that's interested in music, but what, so nobody gave you the permission or authority to like sit here and discuss music and yet people still have kind of gathered to it. Why do you think people care about your opinion over anyone else's or I've also like that was the second lesson I learned is that you have to offer some sort of value proposition. So like unless what you're saying answers a question, no one's really going to be that dedicated to listening to it if you're just a nobody. Like my number one objective for a while has been to like give meaningful information or like answer questions. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you give like a meaningful answer that like makes someone feel like they learned something, they're going to start listening to you and, and viewing you as someone uh, like a position of authority on that subject. So like that was something that was really important was like not just going in and saying like, hey, this is what I thought of the new Daft Punk album. Instead, I would be like, this is how Daft Punk uh, you know, design their synths. If you want to know about synths, if you're a musician, like I can tell you. Um, and that was really important. I think if I went in and like started reviewing stuff or pretending to be a critic or something, I would probably still be stuck at like 35,000 subs after after three years. Uh, but I have like almost 10 times that now. So yeah, I think that's really true because um, none of us on YouTube really like have with any sort of authority have like been given it down and from someone it's just for myself personally like i have the skills of knowing the software and i i just so happen to be the i learned how to like teach decently and i i just so happen to have a topic on every single topic so yep. like i'm not claiming to have edited hollywood feature length films but uh and that's one thing i found with your channel too is like i i don't think yeah i'm not necessarily going it into it for your specific to, to learn what's good or bad but you're you're telling me how this uh album was created who worked on it things like that so it's more like journalistic um i'm watching on or i'm 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 seeing on social blade like what happened in the summer of 2018 is that the time where you're talking about where you kind of like um, so in summer of 2018, that was like the turning point. Uh, I was not putting a lot of time into my videos before that. I had multiple jobs. I was also a college student and I wasn't like making money. I, it was impossible to make money because I was monetized, but every video would get demonetized, right? Like I put a clip of a song in, it gets copyright claimed. The company says, okay, you can't have any money. We're taking all the money from this video. I'm like, all right, this is just a fun hobby. You know, I'm not really getting anything out of it except nice comments um, and like $50 on Patreon every month. Yeah. So I'm getting ready to like throw in my towel. You know, I, I'm like, all right, I want to pick a degree path. I'm going to like get a better job and screw YouTube. It was fun. 
you know, I have like 10,000 subs. Um, I make like three last videos, one about gorillas, one about Kanye, one about Anthony Fantano, because at the time I kind of like took his opinion seriously, like a lot of uh, music listeners do. And I wanted to like analyze, you know, he doesn't give perfect scores out ever. Uh, what, what do you have to do to get the perfect score? So I make the video and he tweets it out. He follows me on social media and he uh, like DMs and whatever he retweets it. And if I get like 15,000 subs in a weekend and uh, the video wow. makes money, which is also a huge surprise. <laughs> and so you know, it, it turned from like a hobby into a small business in, in a day. Uh, and then after that, I got signed to an agency and started making like sponsorship money. And it was just a huge change in a matter of like two months. I think I gained 30,000 subs in that two month period. Yeah, that's a huge break um, for a last ditch effort. And uh, so, you know, I wouldn't say that your channel is small, like a quarter of a million subscribers is definitely not small. It seems like nowadays, though, that's like your average small business type of channel. It uh, is. It does feel small, but I think in some ways I'm in some ways my subscribers seem to be like more valuable or more active than other channels that have a similar amount of subscribers. And I think I do like in terms of revenue, I think I make a bit more than the average channel with this amount of subscribers. So I was going to say you, you said like the, the way that you worded it, like sustainable. So like obviously that one video popped off and that's a, a glimpse of potential but how do you go from how did you go from getting catching that like good break to making it sustainable you said you you got signed to some content agents agency or something yes yeah, so first i got signed i think that big break happens in july yeah. And then in September I get signed. So between then I was, I was like, a, what was it? I was trying to figure out what I should do. Like I, my videos were all over the place at the time. So it was really hard to build a sustainable and like dedicated subscriber base. Um, and I was covering like anything and everything, paintings, movies, the videos are all taken down now, but uh, it had no real niche. And so what I did was I chose a specific niche niche i chose hip-hop i'm gonna cover hip-hop kanye west kendrick lamar uh macklemore whatever it is i didn't do macklemore but i i chose hip-hop and uh started pursuing that and that started to work out because hip-hop fans are hip-hop fans they want to hear about hip-hop today i cover a lot of topics like industry in general r&b pop yeah. and indie uh but for about two years it was hip-hop only and that was like really important because i needed to build a reputation as someone who knows a lot about one thing uh, so that was important and then the agency comes along and they're able to offer me like quick connections to places like skillshare or um audible so that was really important as well so they just emailed I, you or, like we saw your channel we'd love to work with you yeah there was i think it's agencies have a bad rap on youtube but this is like the good agency uh, i love working with them they only work with like educational or technical channels so it's really based on like teaching or thoughtfulness in general uh, like philosophical content whatever um so that was you know welcoming that it's not like full screen where you get signed and then you're in there with like seventeen thousand other channels <laughs> just having your ad revenue taken away they don't take my ad revenue and they're just it's a very fair uh, and freeing setup with them. So that was really useful that I was able to get that. I mean, it was, it's small money at first from sponsorships. People think, you know, getting like 
checks for 10 grand every week. But when you're a small channel, you know, even the extra 500, 700 bucks can help a lot. So that was something that allowed me to like not have to have two jobs at the same time anymore. And I could like focus more on videos and have a schedule. I also didn't have a schedule before blowing up. Uh, I was doing like one video every three weeks if I could. But then after the viral video, I decided to stick myself or hold myself to like two videos a month every other Thursday. So that was really helpful too. So when did you fully, like when did you quit your jobs and it, I'm guessing so, it was a gradual transition or did you just? It was a very gradual transition. It took about a year. Um, I had the viral video. I was working two jobs, uh, one as like a graphic design intern. I, I wasn't really doing anything important at this place. Um, I was making some money off that. And I was also uh, like bike courier, bike uh, delivery, yeah. doing like Uber Eats on my bicycle. Um, so I was able to not do the graphic design anymore. I kept doing the delivery, making a little more money off that. And then after six months, I stopped that. I had another job as a janitor. I was doing cleaning uh, for public high schools in the city where I was living. And I stopped doing that around a year ago uh, today. Around a year ago today, I stopped doing that. And I haven't had to have a full-time job since then or any kind of job except YouTube. YouTube has just been taking up all my time for the last year. Yeah. And would you say, because a lot of people might think like, oh, great. Now you just do nothing. But like what, I'm sure you're still doing a lot of work and what, what is kind of filling up your workload nowadays that you're a full-time creator, I'll say. Um, well, there's a lot of like, I don't want to say market research, but it kind of is market research, like just strategizing to see what to cover next. Like that does take up a lot more time than people would think. And, um, I also work with, I also work with an editor now, uh, but not for like motion graphics, more for like footage and color grading, audio processing, whatever. Um, and so just managing that person takes time. <laughs> like, and what else? I mean, I, I spend a lot of time writing. I've been spending a lot of time doing set design. My set is behind me over here. Um, and in general, I'm just trying to make more videos. So two videos a month, isn't sustainable if you're not going to have a side job. So I have to do like three to five now. I'm hoping to hit five to six uh, every month consistently by February. So there's a lot of like planning and research that goes into that. Yeah, I think um, it's it's interesting. How, like, so you're gradually weaning off of, you gradually left the jobs and then, so now you're gradually expanding and putting more effort and thought into this, whether that's some people hire help or like get an editor or start expanding into a team and then like spending more time writing and researching because the one thing that's different about your channel which i think is really cool is like a channel like mine um i just like blast out as much helpful stuff as possible but it's more specific things like each video might only get a couple thousand views and what's cool about yours is that you're able to um swing for videos they get like hundred thousand plus views and you're only making a couple a month like your whole channel has less than 100 videos but yet you still managed to get almost three hundred thousand subscribers so far which i think is a really good good ratio like you're saying your, your viewers are kind of uh heavy hitting in a way um how do you go about choosing like how do you know what's gonna what's gonna hit have you developed this like sixth sense Kind of. Yeah. It's a lot of what I do at this point is like, it's hard to 
get help with it because it's like this um, subconscious feeling and like intuition about what I should and shouldn't do. And it kind of like works. I just go with it most of the time and it ends up working out. Uh, a lot of the time I'm looking at Reddit, like hip hop heads and just like they, every week there's like one or two articles and they're usually think pieces and they're going to get like 2000 comments and people are just going to have a huge opinion about it. One of the things I'm planning to work on right now is uh, hip hop's anti-vax problem because there was an expose of all the rappers that don't believe in vaccines a couple days ago uploaded to uh, that subreddit and it got like, you know, 900 comments of people just discussing the ins and outs of, you know, celebrities not being into vaccines. So I'm going to cover that. And hopefully I'll find a, like a doctor on YouTube to talk to for a collab or something, an interview. So that's the sort of stuff like I'll cover. Um, Lil Wayne recently sold all of his music to a corporation for like a hundred million dollars. So I'll cover that too. Uh, talk about how Lil Wayne sold out, whatever. Um, when Chance the Rapper got sued by his manager for firing him before his album came out so he didn't have to pay him for working on it that was something i covered that ended up getting more than half a million views in like two weeks so yeah uh, it's that sort of stuff that i can like tell and then there's other stuff that i won't cover because i think like it's either not a thoughtful enough topic like some rapper going to rehab i'm not really interested in that i'm more interested in like topics that can either last and like people can keep coming back to them and being like oh i learned something from this even like two years from now or it's something that just teaches you um, not just about the incident, but like about the greater context of the incident within the music industry. So that's the sort of stuff that like, you know, Lil Wayne selling his music or Chance the Rapper getting sued by his manager. That like matters outside of the story too. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because um, like you might, like nobody cares about three years ago's gossip, like, you know, so-and-so got into a fight or got got arrested like that might be irrelevant in a couple of years but it is really interesting to see the inside of how the industry is changing especially like uh you know you got like tiktok and music and how those two are like making things go viral together there's the industry is constantly changing and even someone like myself who i mean i'm very into music as well but even someone who might not care about who the latest and greatest chart topping like song is might still be interested in uh like marketing modern marketing or what's changing in the industry or business the business behind it or you know shady deals or things to avoid so that's that's interesting that you're like the one the one thing i tell people who uh want to start a channel too is like what is the community that's tapping into like you said the reddit hip-hop heads I've, I've seen that subreddit for it's it's a pretty huge subreddit so they're already it's not like you created this community of people who care it's, yeah. it's like it was there and you're providing value for them and then leveraging that's, it more that's actually really important yeah um i knew when starting out in this niche of like hip-hop and music industry in general there are people that care about this specific like theme of topics there are people that watch every one of my videos and there aren't any of my videos that like alienate them. Like if I uploaded a video about, um, I don't know, like Katy Perry's new album, like no one, none of my subscribers are going to watch that because they've come to expect that what I say will usually apply to them. And that's how I kind of consistently can get 
you know, I, I would say like baseline, I know how to get a hundred thousand views on a video. Like I can come up with a topic and say, okay, this will get a hundred thousand. And I do cover, I do make videos that I know won't get a hundred thousand views. And I'm okay with that because it's still fun. And there are still enough dedicated fans to where like the sponsorship won't fail or, uh, you know, it won't get 8,000 views. Uh, but I try to kind of like, you know, balance that uh, mix of like stuff I'm really interested in. And I know like, you know, 20% of my subscribers might be interested in, but the rest won't. But it, it is like important to be able to have that base that you know is like going to come back or the people that you know you can appeal to. Yeah, not to, it's like a snowball effect on YouTube and not to alienate them, which sometimes I think I do. But uh, <laughs> so, so like for a video, like you said, sometimes you make a more experimental video, maybe it won't, but for a video that does go really viral, like the fall of Chance the Rapper, it's got half a million views in a week or two. Where, because that's so, you know, that's more people than are subscribed to your channel. In the analytics, what where is that coming from when you see like, for someone wondering out there, like where these viral views are coming from? Is it suggested? Is something else happening? I would tell you i would look and i would tell you like the breakdown but i know already for the last year and a half or really as long as i can remember i don't get views from suggested i don't get views from external sources and i don't know if this is the case for everybody but i think at this point even subscriptions are not that important what you want is you want it to hit the home page i would say i get a lot of views from my subscribers even on a great month i might get like 30 percent of my views are coming from my subscribers and you might think like that's a bad number. Like someone who doesn't have a channel might think like, oh, that's like not a lot. Do your subscribers not care? Like, is your channel not healthy? But that's a high amount. Like in, in my agency, that's a high amount. And it's just like homepage is everything. Even when I go on YouTube, I don't check my subscriptions anymore because I kind of like have too many. Uh, I'm not going to like watch the new Unbox Therapy video, even though I subscribed to him like four years ago. I go on the homepage and the homepage knows most of the time what I'm interested in. And I think that's the case for me too. Like on the Chance the Rapper video, I can tell you how many of the views came from the homepage uh, real quick, but I'm guessing like it's probably 80% or more, probably 90%. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is 30% is really high. Like on my channel, I especially because I've had my channel for a long time now, like I don't even, I have a similar ratio. It's like 80-20 and I think it's 80-20 for almost like yep. any channel. And uh, I also agree with you, despite that I wouldn't want it to be this way, I really don't think, I think YouTube is moving away from subscriber count and subscriber feeds because actually it used to be the first thing that popped up on your homepage. Yep. Now the first thing that pops up is suggested. And to yep. be honest, even as a viewer, like I would, it's almost like they know better than what you know. And then you have these documentaries on Netflix and stuff like about how technology evil and stuff which, <laughs> which uh it probably is but they in a way like i'd rather just the recommended of what i have actually been watching than what i thought i would like and subscribe to it's it's ironic that it's less accurate i mean i'm okay with it i think it's fine because i've subscribed to channels and like you know their niche might change or they might get worse or they might get stagnant and i'm not going to watch that anymore but i'm also not going to like go in and clear my subscriber or my subscription list all the time. Like I'm okay with the way it's moved to because I also think it's now deceptive that 
there are people who are making a lot of money with a low subscriber count. And there are people who are making not a lot of money with a very high subscriber count. And so it doesn't really mean that much anymore. And especially because YouTube hides it now and like takes it down to the decimal. Uh, and you're not allowed to see people's like true subscriber counts. Uh, like Social Blade doesn't really matter anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. So rounding. my current traffic source types are... Uh, is this for your overall month? Yes, it is. I don't know if that's going to focus. It's, you might yeah. see... 90% from uh, browse features, which is the homepage. Uh, suggested videos is 2%. And YouTube search is 3%. That's probably higher for you. Um, but yeah. that's that's my channel. That's over 1.5 million views this month. And that's what it looks like. It's 90% from the homepage. So. Yeah, and I'd assume that you, since you're making longer style videos too, that your watch time is pretty high. So. You know, the other thing, I think this is getting to a lot of interesting topics. Like, first of all, what's more important, subscribers or views? People always ask me this and I kind of have to lean towards views. Like if you have zero subscribers, but you're consistently getting millions of views, it's impossible that one would happen without the other. But you'd rather have a lot of views than a lot of subscribers, honestly. I mean, I, I views are so much more important. I know a guy who makes a lot of videos, like he'll make like multiple times per week he uploads two times a day um especially during like he's a tech youtuber so during like important weeks and stuff you know he's uploading a lot and he only has two hundred thousand subscribers but he is making like a lot more money than i am uh, and it's probably like you know he's getting more views because he's uploading more videos and his subscription ratio is probably lower than mine because people will like search for what he's talking about and then click off after without subscribing but he's making a lot of money with a fifth of a million subscribers probably making more money than a lot of people with a million subscribers so yeah and my so my channel it's just interesting um comparing how different there's different like types of content that, that can succeed like my channel is 50 percent search which mm. is is great in some ways because i don't really need to rely on subscribers it's just like coming in from the search that's just the way that i've built my catalog of videos but um yeah, I'm not going to put up a video and it's going to, it'll be rare that it'll, I'll put up a video and it gets a hundred thousand or 500,000 views right away. So it's, it's really, uh, I think it's cool between mine and your channel, the two different kinds of paths that still can be successful, but let's talk about monetization. Cause we actually are getting into that a little bit. How do you get the squeeze as someone who's like building off of suggested and homepage content and and especially music content, like I'm assuming a lot of your stuff gets copyrighted for using copyrighted music or imagery or whatever. How do you, do you manage to get the full squeeze of that juice so that you're able to make a living? Because, you know, it's not easy. You're not just automatically making millions of dollars once you hit 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, so it's definitely not easy. It's become a lot easier in the last six months. I don't know why, uh, but stuff has just started to click. And I think I'm just passing some sort of invisible threshold where I can now like make more off this. But originally uh, it was very hard, even with like, you know, 150,000 subscribers or like 200,000 subscribers, it was hard. Um, but I would say you want like a breakdown, like a percentage breakdown of where stuff is coming from. Uh, you don't have to get, I mean, you don't have to get exact, but like, uh, so like for myself personally, I sell my digital products on my website um, I get the ad revenue because my content's pretty like ad friendly and and I, I'm putting out a lot of videos that are getting search traffic. 
um i sometimes work with sponsors but like for your channel i'm wondering like is ad revenue harder because you get monetized a lot is because i'm just wondering what your approach is as that type of youtuber because it might be different for everyone yeah so i'm not sure if you're i don't think you're selling products or courses and stuff um i don't sell any courses i i am doing i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but i think i'm allowed to say it i am doing a skillshare class uh next month so i'll be putting that out and it's going to be like after effects motion graphics so hopefully that will be another revenue stream but that's not here yet mainly sponsors pay the bills uh sponsors are i think they're great i love working with the sponsors that i work with but obviously there are some sketchy sponsors who don't pay but i've never had that experience um so sponsors are great. They probably, usually they'll bring in like 70% of all the, all the revenues coming from the sponsors um, and do like two or three per month. And in the past, there hasn't been a lot of, I can't, I haven't been able to rely on ad revenue. You know, I've made viral, viral videos in the past, especially like early, earlier this year, I had three viral videos that now have like a million views or so. Uh, and then last year, earlier last year, I had like two or three as well that have like a million 1.1 1.2 million views now so those i don't see any money from one of them i have like half the rights to the revenue so i get like you know 40 bucks a month off it or something um so why like, do you have what... half the rights because they'll like these music labels will claim it and they can either take all your money or be generous and take half your money for like a 25 second clip or something of a song i'm talking about like how they made the beat whatever um whatever sample they use they're like fuck you you can't have any of it so that's the situation usually like they're gonna take all or half and all is most common but sometimes they'll let you have half um some of them are demonetized entirely like no one's making any money off those i'm getting subscribers but it's like i mean i need money to live you know yeah. uh, so the ad revenue is not something i used to be able to rely on my cpas have gone up a lot over the last year so even like the what's lower that view, for anyone wondering yeah, yeah, yeah. So CPA would be like, uh, how much, how many I think dollars you mean, isn't I make? It CPM. CPM, yeah. Sorry, Sorry CPA, CPA is a certified public accountant. <laughs> so close. <laughs> CPA would be cost per acquisition. For okay, sponsors. yeah, yeah. yeah. Never mind. So there, CPM, there are so many acronyms. There, yeah, I don't, I don't like them. Uh, but anyway, so CPA would be, or CPM is how many dollars I'll make per thousand views uh, that are monetized. Not all views are monetized, but my CPM went from like 250, 350 to like up to six to $9. So it's like doubling or tripling. Um, my camera is about to die. I'm going to plug it in. Yeah, go for it. Well, I think that's, that's just, uh, like I've noticed a rise in some of that too. And I think one, it's just an overall trend of ad money flowing in to digital spaces versus, um, like traditional spaces and there's also i do feel like youtube is kind of making uh i'll give you a second actually i'll just cut this <laughs> yo i'm back can you hear me okay <laughs> yeah i can hear you I'm whatever back. we'll just continue i do feel like youtube is kind of a, uh, in some ways like what they did remember they said they're they're no longer going to uh, monetize channels under a certain threshold and then also now they're like we're still going to monetize them but they're not going to get it I do yeah. feel like the larger your channel gets, uh, I think advertisers are willing to pay more to be on a channel with like 250,000 plus and then 500,000 plus, just like an arbitrary denomination. Um, but I, I also just feel like it's getting more competitive. There's more people trying to buy ads 
on digital content. And so larger creators are, are able to kind of reap some of that benefit. Um, so I wanted to ask you though, about like fair use, uh, doesn't any of the stuff you, do you ever try to like look into fair use or have you looked into that or it's a confusing so topic? I can't. Yeah. So like if I'm making a documentary about like Jay Dilla, he's famous hip hop producer. He made like a million beats and everyone loves him. So I'm making, I'm talking about his beats, right? I want to talk about the synths he used, the drums he used, how he got them, how he composes it, the rhythm, whatever. So I'm going to want to have the beat in the video. Um, and I can by like American copyright law, I can, if I'm discussing how, if I'm discussing the beat, I'm allowed to use the beat as a point of reference for the viewer. Uh, but YouTube doesn't understand, they, they understand it. They don't have a mechanism to, they don't have a mechanism to like allow that because on the other side, there's people who are going to want to use the beat to re-upload and like make a quick buck off people who are searching for it. Yeah. Um, so that's what YouTube kind of assumes you're doing and they're going to block it and take your money or not allow you to put the video up at all. So I can do a claim or I can do like a dispute and say, hey, like, you know, I'm allowed to do this. This is fair use, but I have to wait a month and it's up to the discretion of the copyright holder, uh, which it really shouldn't be because it's fair use. It's not up to the discretion of the copyright holder. It's an American federal law. It's pretty complicated. It's very frustrating. And uh, I would say that my videos are definitely not as good as I want them to be because I can't have this freedom to use music as a reference or use video as a reference because it's just an extremely long and ultimately usually fruitless process to try and dispute this stuff look yeah i do think the world would be a better place if nobody had to use copyright free music yeah it's <laughs> like nobody fun. likes copy sorry to all the copyright free music creators out there there's some decent <laughs> stuff and uh to the sponsors of copyright free music stuff that i've worked with shout out to you guys but <laughs> the world needs real music <laughs> Yeah, it does. It's <laughs> Maybe not good. that's a bad distinction to call it not real music. I mean, there like seems to be my... something that is not. <laughs> they never mix it properly. It's always mixed like it's ready to be used in a car commercial or something. I'm just like, I can't use this, dude. I definitely made someone mad there, but sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, I have a question though. So because I don't work with, I mean, I, I work with a fair share of brands and sponsors, but I, I limit it to like. A couple times a year it'll be a good opportunity because most of the time i'm just busy doing my own stuff or, or whatever and it's not my main thing that i look for to like sustain um so when you work with a sponsor this is from the perspective of someone listening maybe someone who wants to start a channel or is like a uh, just curious what goes on behind the curtains like first of all like why is a sponsor paying you to mention their name in the beginning in the beginning of a video like what does it have to do with them? Like, uh, what did they look for for a successful campaign? Like, why do they keep coming back to you in the first place? Are they just throwing their money away? Or how is this relationship working? So basically how we measure it is CPA, which is a term I was using before instead yeah. of CPM. So CPA is cost per acquisition. Uh, they're going to write me a check before the video goes up. So it's not like if, if the video doesn't do well, I still get paid. Um, so basically they write me the check estimating based on my views and subscribers and demographics, how many signups they'll get. So that's the CPA. Um, they want it to be as low as possible because if it costs you like $15 to sign up for curiosity stream, they're going to assume 
uh, that I'm going to get, you know, uh, 15 times X, and then they'll give me that amount. Uh, and if it does better, they'll give me more next time. If it does worse, they'll give me less next time. Uh, and so they're just really trying to like even out their marketing money. Uh, they get, you know, 15 times 40 is, I, I don't know, like 1200 or something it's, like that. Uh, yeah. So they'll, they're hoping to make, you know, it's 40 600, I think. 600, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like, it's just basic math. Like they're hedging their bets that I'm going to be profitable for them. And, so, uh, so you're, they're hoping that people who watch your video will click on the link, sign up for their thing. So everyone wins like you are, they're paying you, but they're able to get something that will be profitable for them or signups. Yeah. And they're also hoping to like create return customers and, and all that as well. Yeah. It's just interesting. I think a, a lot of people see ads on YouTube or see, I think it's become like a, just a, an assumption like, all right, we'll click, skip the ad or this, like it just ads are there and we think that YouTubers make money, but why does it actually work at the end of the day? It's like, who's act, like, why are people paying for someone to watch an ad? So I think that's yeah. cool. I mean, it does require people have to sign up. Like, they're not going to want to work with me if uh, everyone collectively decides, like, yo, we hate these ads and we're never clicking on these again. Uh, but luckily, like, my viewers are, they understand that, first of all. And I also don't endorse, like, terrible products. Um, I really work with, like, a very small amount of sponsors. I think, like, at any given time, my rotation might be, like, three companies. So uh, that's, I'm not willing to, like, experiment with like life insurance companies or yeah. or really sketchy mobile games or something like that just because uh people wouldn't take it seriously anymore at all yeah it's uh it is a side of the business and and you're you're talking about companies that actually might have some use for some people and so they actually do convert i think that's important because i i get emails all the time to like review xyz product from x country and uh and i used to, you know what i used to get a lot more of is like it doesn't happen anymore but back in the day um the uh the the agencies were like rampant i'd get an email every two weeks to try to sign up to an agency i never ended up going with it but it's interesting that there are like small type of independent label i think especially now in 2020 with creators and content creation being such a bigger industry that now there probably is some great little pockets and companies that actually do have connections and can connect you with brands and manage stuff for you. Um, so what is your plan then from, so now you're kind of like running, it's like smooth, small business time. Um, I mean, this year has been crazy with, with all this stuff. So, I mean, if you're surviving now, that's pretty good too how are you planning to like what are you planning to do to keep this going for the next are you trying to keep this going for the next couple of years is it yeah i think i want to hire help like i do a lot um there's a lot of times when i turn my my bedroom into a set and then i like sleep in the basement on the couch or something because like i was working all night it's like three in the morning i'm not gonna take the set down i gotta film again tomorrow um so that kind of stuff, like, I don't really necessarily want to do that forever. I'm also interested in being more mobile. Like, I want to travel more and, uh, you know, not really have too much of a routine. So I'm trying to, like, get a team of people who can, like, help me do what I'm doing and increase the output at the same time 
uh, make more money. But my number one goal is to like start a second channel uh, just because I'm interested in like not self-improvement, but like self-examination a lot. And I've been enjoying a lot of content that revolves around that. And I want to get into that niche a little bit and like, you know, be making videos with um, people who are, you know, trying to like really become better and more like centered individuals. Because I think like after the last year, I'm not really too worried about like business at this point. Like <laughs> I'd rather become a more happy and like relaxed person because it's been stressful. So uh, that's something I want to like explore is maybe like starting a second channel where I can and can do like important thinking, I guess, and and talk about like more abstract stuff with people who appreciate their work. Yeah, um, like philosophical type of stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. Without making it like super nerdy. Yeah. What are some channels that you've been enjoying? I think, well, I've been watching a lot of like Sneeko. Um, and Sneeko is like also a personal friend of mine, but I want to do something similar to what he's doing, but I don't want it to be as edgy, I guess. He's been like anti-masker and stuff lately, so I haven't been a big fan of that. So now what is the difference between, uh, or like why would you want to start a second channel? What is going on in your strategy where like you'd want to separate the two? I think people that watch Volksgeist, I have experimented with like lifestyle work or like personal work before, and it has done well, but it still has to be connected to music. So I'm thinking like, if I just start a new project, I can disconnect from music entirely. And there will be people that convert over to that because they appreciate what I say and will want to listen to what I have to say about other topics. But there are people who just like want to hear about music or hip hop, whatever, like, and they're not really too interested in, in like my internal monologue. So yeah um yeah that's one i might say just throw it all in one but i could see how it would ruin your like it would it would alienate people so these are some of the questions that i think a lot of people if you're looking to become a creator like these things happen down the line and you have to from the beginning of our conversation like you said first thing you thought of was like how do i find a niche how do i build authority in one topic that i can I think once you do build authority in one topic, you can leverage it out. Like um, my last guest, Jack Butcher, that's one thing he specifically talked about uh, was instead of trying to do everything at once, become really good at one thing and then you can leverage it out to other things in phases. Um, I mean, now that, I, now that I did the episode with him, I'm seeing so many concepts that are repeating like, Another thing you did was permissionless apprenting apprenticeship for the Fantano thing where you went out and made a really valuable, helpful piece of content for this person who already was established. They didn't have to, but they happened to retweet it, happened to share it. And there's all types of opportunities that people could do. Like, let's say there's someone who is a teenager and they're looking for some editing work and they're really good at Photoshop and making thumbnails and they say, hey, Philip. Uh, I made you better thumbnails for the past two videos of yours. And they actually did like, you know, sometimes it might not. And they're like, if you want me to keep making all your thumbnails, like uh, let's just do like three thumbnails a month for X amount. Like there's cool ideas. There's so many different like side hustler job opportunity in this content creation space, I think. Um, but I think that's cool that, yeah, once you get the business taken care of, you got to be happy at the end of the day. 
yeah yeah oh i think like if someone did that thumbnail thing for me i would absolutely like if it was good work they would be working for me as long as they wanted to um and i think like someone might be just you know you might be discouraged and be like oh he's never going to see that i would absolutely see that like you know i think a lot of people would see it and take like, you up on uh, the just message you, you know? on twitter or something or instagram or something yeah absolutely like it would 100 percent work out for that person if they did it yeah not that you're specifically looking but i'm just throwing out ideas yeah but just but in yeah. general like that would be welcome you know yeah i think a lot of people think it's so hard to reach youtubers who have more than 10,000 or 50,000 subscribers but in, in it probably is hard to reach some who are getting like tens of millions or like lots and lots of views and messages but honestly if anyone dms me or i'm sure if anyone dms you like i see i see all my dms and i'm very 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 easy to reach so yeah. and people always yeah. say i'm i'm so shocked that you responded i'm like this this is my job <laughs> yep i i get i get like a few dms a day i read all of them i don't respond to all of them cuz sometimes it's like really stupid questions uh like or it'll be like what was the fourth song in your 2018 expose on the work of tyler the creator like i am not going back to that video project file just for you to like have i'm not i'm not doing that i'm sorry like i get so many of those requests i thought about doing like a paywall playlist you pay like three bucks and you can see all the songs i've used because like i'm not gonna like do i'm not gonna go back and drag all the files out of my uh hard drive from like two years ago and go through it for people but i would do it if there were like a couple bucks in the, in the on the table love hate relationship um but yeah we've talked a lot about uh like the business side of youtube and whatnot but kind of wrapping up the the interview um like you said you're you're interested in more examinative stuff in the future um, I already did kind of ask you what you're planning to do, but what else has been, because I'm sure you're, <laughs> I'm sure you're not always waking up every day. I mean, maybe you are, but like only interested in, in music. Is there any new hobbies and interests that have been flourishing for you as you've gotten older or that you've really taken a liking to like philosophical stuff or anything you're reading or interested in that, that you find? Well, I've been less into politics because i was so into politics for a long time that it was taking away from like me actually becoming a better person because i was so concerned with like abstract political concepts like if we don't fix the wealth gap what are we going to do i'm like oh let's just go to work and like make more money i don't know um so i tried to become a little more grounded and like read less political philosophy but for a long time that was like my main thing was reading about like political philosophy and like wealth in america and all this stuff um but like lately I've been getting into like cameras. Um, I have like a, you know, I bought some film cameras. I've been doing that a lot. Uh, like getting film developed is really fun. Uh, so that's like something I've been doing just to not be making content, but still be like, I don't know, making something. Yeah. Um, what else? I've been like getting into cinematography a little bit. I'm trying to learn more about like lighting and uh, cameras. Um, and then I guess like, generally trying to learn more about the world like other cultures other like other countries politics other countries histories and stuff so i've been reading some books about uh like southeast asia and stuff like that so yeah that's really cool like, oh, yeah, yeah you got a nice setup right now you said it's a sony a7 s7 a7 s3 nice uh, yeah they're kind of hard to come by right now but i got one <laughs> but yeah it's uh, you definitely have a nice webcam set up there and uh 
um yeah leave it to i think it's young people's job to be really into like political philosophy yeah. and revolutionary stuff young people's job and then really old people's job but yeah yep. i think there's it's definitely been a very very hectic year and uh definitely uh can i'm for one would be interested in politics becoming more boring for the next four years <laughs> yeah i'm hoping so like so we could focus on other stuff it's been a lot I, i'm trying to like just become like a human being and live every day just like my own life instead of being worried about like what donald trump is doing i, I don't really want to care anymore <laughs> yeah um so lastly though uh one thing we didn't even touch on is like video editing and editing softwares before we wrap up like you you use i didn't even get into this but like your videos are pretty polished not lots of cool graphics titles and stuff are you mostly working in after effects or photoshop it's, premiere it's really all after effects i use after effects like i would use photoshop most of the time too if you sent me into photoshop i wouldn't know what to do like i don't know the first thing it's really just all like after effects for me and then i obviously take the different compositions and I render them out in media encoder and then I put them in the premiere timeline because I can't can't like make a whole video in After Effects. And uh did you just basically learn After Effects on your own on YouTube and stuff? Yeah, it was all YouTube. I'd never taken like a media class at college or anything like that. I was doing like I was doing like environmental studies in college. So that's really cool. So you've been able to kind of make a career out of self interest and self well begin of hopefully long career out of like self self-interest and self-taught stuff and you, you yeah. found some success in it but yeah anyone who is interested in checking out philip's channel it's called volksgeist on youtube and then you can find all his links there that's uh what is it it's a german word right like it's like volkswagen it means <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's more like zeitgeist which is a word like a lot of people know yeah um, volk is like, like the folk the people right yeah yeah and, and then, then geist, is, geist like, is the spirit right the spirit like the driving force so it's like i mean zeitgeist is like you know what did people like this year volksgeist is like what do people like i guess it's it's kind of means the same thing as zeitgeist. Yeah. so uh yeah that's uh, i'll leave all the links but that's via v-o-l-k-s-g-e-i-s-t on youtube and if you want to hit us up if anything you found was interesting uh feel free to shoot us a message or really easy to get a hold of thanks for having me this is like really fun thank you guys so much for watching if you enjoyed this episode you can check out the rest of my episodes on youtube spotify itunes everywhere at the justin od show podcast if you enjoyed definitely leave a five-star rating on itunes or simply reach out to me and philip send us a message or elaborate on something that you found useful or got any questions for us feel free to reach out thank you so much for watching and i'll see you in the next episode